What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss the running back position as it pertains to fantasy. I'm going to go round by round here for the most part, and I'm going to tell you which guys I like as, as potential values at that in that particular round, and also maybe some guys I don't like. Basically, just going to assess the overall landscape of the running back position as it pertains to fantasy for the 2021 season, and of course, this is mainly directed toward redraft, guys. So, um, first round. The and I just took this right off of I believe it was um, fantasy calculator or whatever.com, basically just the ADPs. That, so, like, if you are using a different website and, and the ADP is slightly different, you know, I, I get it, but I'm just going by this one. So, anyways, Christian McCaffrey is the quote unquote RB1 in terms of where he's being drafted right now, and uh, Dalvin Cook is two, Derrick Henry's three. I'm going to talk about all the first round guys first. So, Derrick Henry's three. Alvin Kamara is four, Saquon Barkley is five, Jonathan Taylor six, Nick Chubb is seven, Ezekiel Elliott eight, and then Aaron Jones nine. So those are the guys, and Aaron Jones is sliding at the top of round two, but we're for the most part, he has an ADP that has him going in round one a decent amount of time as well. So we're going to talk about those guys. Which ones do I like? Well, of course, you have to like Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, you have to like Dalvin Cook. You have to like um, Kamara, Saquon. I mean, Saquon, I can understand if he makes you nervous. I really can, you know, because he hasn't been the dude that we had initially saw at the NFL level since his rookie year. And then I guess you could also be nervous about Christian McCaffrey. I'm not terribly nervous about those guys. Um, I think McCaffrey will be back and, and playing at a pretty high level. I think McCaffrey, when you just me, I follow him on social media and stuff. When you just kind of see the way he takes care of his body, I'd be really surprised if he's not back and, and ready to to go at a high level this year. Um, I don't, I wouldn't put it past the Panthers to, to put in Chuba Hubbard a little bit more and just kind of give him a little bit more, you know, instead of playing 96% of the snaps, maybe he'll play 76% of them or whatever. And even then that's to me is a little bit high, but um, McCaffrey does not want to come off the football field. Like he really doesn't want to come off the field, but something I found interesting with uh, Matt rule, what he said during the Panthers draft after they selected Chuba Hubbard, he said something along the line, I'm trying to remember exact words that he used here, but he said Chuba Hubbard is not a good player. He's a dominant player. It, it was I, I'm pretty sure the words he used were dominant, and he said it like a couple times in a row, which, you know, sort of boggled my mind because that's a word if you want to insist on saying he's a dominant player, he's a dominant player, then, you, you know, you could say, well, why, why didn't you take him before day three, right? Um but aside from that, maybe he's saying he was a dominant college player and we think he could be a really good rotational back at the next level. I guess that makes sense. But anyways, so maybe and maybe I just talked myself into having Chuba Hubbard as a high priority hand, um, handcuff, because if Chuba Hubbard is thought of that highly by the coaching staff, right, and Christian McCaffrey's come on, coming off a year where he was hurt last year on two separate occasions, missed most of the season. You know, maybe Shuba Hubbard is a guy that you're going to want to get on your roster. Um, anyways, we're not talking about that now. We're, going, we're talking about first rounders. So, yeah, me personally, like I said, I like Christian McCaffrey. I think that he's going to, you know, be in that kind of um, Clyde Edwards Elaire role of the Joe Brady offense when we saw Clyde in 2019 back at LSU. So, I mean, I'm not 
groundbreaking any news here. It's McCaffrey's couldn't be liked by everybody. Dalvin Cook is someone that has been really, really good the last couple of years. He has like over 30 touchdowns the last two seasons. You know, he's just been dominant in this offense, particularly he's he's really thriving. And for the people that say, well, he worries me with his health, like the dude's missed like three or four games over the last two years. And one of those games, at least one of them was because of the death of his father. It wasn't even an injury related thing. So, um, and then he came back in in the playoffs after one of those years in 2019, and he played and carried the ball over 30 times in the playoff game. So um, to me, Dalvin Cook is a, is a just fire him up and go. Someone that I'm sort of low-key worried about, and I've touched on this in previous podcasts, is Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry's style of play, right, uh, number one, is my number one concern with him. Like He is just so physical that you wonder – can this continue, right? Like, can can he continue to touch the ball 350 times a year or whatever it is and bash people's brains in and at, at the same time, you know, by default, kind of sacrifice his body a little bit due to the damage that he's taking? Is there is this the year where, where he misses and breaks down a few games in, uh, with a few games left in the season or something like that? I'm a little bit worried about that, but if Derrick Henry falls, if I'm sitting at pick seven in the first round and Derrick Henry falls to me, I'm I'm drafting him because you just have to at that point, right? Like we can't we can't make up an injury history where there is none, right? We just have to, um, you know, we can have our concerns and we can choose to go a different direction. Like if I have the choice between and this is just me, Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. And I know Taylor's got a bunch of wear and tear on him, but it, just say what you want about touches coming out of college it's a different animal right touches coming out of college versus touches in the nfl to me it's a far different animal like these are much bigger faster stronger men that you're going and they're men they're not kids that you're going against so taylor didn't have a ton of touches last year i think he'll be i think there's a chance when we look back in five ten years at jonathan taylor's career the 2021 season i think is one in which might go down as his best season ever i just think that highly of what he's going to do this year in particular. Uh, not that he's not a good player in dynasty. He's going to be, he's probably going to be a dominant player in the NFL at the running back position for the next several years. But this year in particular, I love Jonathan Taylor. So obviously I love that value. Nick Chubb, I've touched on this before. Definitely, definitely love him in terms of a you know, back end of the first round value. Are you kidding me? Like, especially this year with Kareem Hunt going in the fourth round right now, guys, he's going mid four in terms of his ADP. So, uh, and that's Kareem Hunt I'm talking about. So like with Chubb down the stretch, getting about 66, almost 70% of the workload, it's hard to ignore the fact that, you know, last year, for example, I was very high on, the on you know, oh, Kareem Hunt is a better value in round five over Chubb in, in round one. Yeah, now, not so much because of what we saw over the latter part of the season last year, and we just saw Nick Chubb was a much better player. You know, I, going into last year, I thought there was a chance Kareem Hunt was a better player than Nick Chubb. That is not the case. Nick Chubb is a far better player. Like, there's a there's a difference if they were like equal, but Chubb was just getting more touches. It's not like that. Chubb only played 49% of snaps in games he did play, but when he touched the football, good things happen. Much better things happen than when Kareem Hunt did. Kareem Hunt was kind of a consistent, you know, get you three, get you four, get you five, whereas Chubb was like get you two, get you six, get you 90. You know, that was kind of his just how much more dynamic he is as a playmaker than Kareem Hunt. So yes, Nick Chubb, I love there. Saquon Barkley, I'm taking him. You know, I think that – I think I'd like – you know what? I think I like 
Jonathan Taylor more than Saquon Barkley. I flip-flop on this. I was asked about this yesterday. Saquon, to me, is a guy that just comes with some risk, right? So if you're going to take him in the first round, obviously it's the only way you're getting him. I have no problem with that. However, with my second and third and maybe even fourth round picks, I'm going to go a little bit more of a high floor, right? Because there's a chance that Saquon Barkley is not on your team, you know, at, at come week nine or 10 or whatever. Like it, it's just unfortunate, but it is possible, you know? And there's also a chance that Saquon Barkley, if you get him at like, let's say pick seven, eight, nine, there's a chance that he's the steal of the draft, you know? So that's kind of what you're going at there. I could see him rush for 2000 yards and catch another 70 passes. I could also see him um, be, a, you know, a pretty much a disappointment because he misses some games with injury. So that's, that's how I see Saquon. I'm leaning more toward just because of the overall physical specimen that is Saquon Barkley. I'm leaning more towards a guy that will be on the football field and be dominant. So I like him. I have no problem taking him. Ezekiel Elliott is somebody that worries me in the late first round. I'm I'm not loving Zeke. Okay. I think that Ezekiel Elliott is at the latter part of his career. Um, you know, obviously he's still a good player. He's still a quality running back, especially from the standpoint of he's not going to lose out on reps in passing situations because he's such a good pass protecting running back. Right. That's a big aspect of, you know, why Zeke will will stay on the football field. Right. And passing in passing situations. So that part of it, I understand. But I just think that right now, Tony Pollard might be a better or he's definitely a more dynamic player and he might be a better fit in that system offensively. So that's something that worries me about Zeke. So I'm staying away from Zeke if I can in the round, in the first round. If he's available in the bottom of the second round somehow, I'm obviously taking him. You know, there's no problem there. But at the in the late one, I'm I'm just gonna go a different direction, I feel um at that point. And then Aaron Jones, someone that I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to draft in, in the late one, but I'm really happy to draft him in the late two. I don't necessarily love his value because I understand the concerns there when you say, oh, what about AJ Dillon? The intent because they drafted AJ in the second round. Well, look, they just paid Aaron Jones, number one. Okay, number two, we watched Jamal Williams for years play about 40% of the snaps and get about 45% of the workload, but we just saw Aaron Jones have plenty of enough still on that plate to be a dominant player for them in terms of fantasy, right, for us. And then when you look at it, you might say, and this is a fair concern in my opinion, you might say Aaron Jones is not going to have as many touchdowns. And if Aaron Jones doesn't have as many touchdowns, then he's not going to be an RB1. And that's, to me, a legitimate concern. I think there's a decent chance you're going to get a low-end RB2 simply because A.J. Dillon is a 240-pound monster physical specimen. So it does make sense to, to believe that he's going to see more of the workload and short yardage and even goal line situations. But I would say Aaron Jones is probably still going to get his because he's a really goal line. I mean, he's a really good goal line runner, you know, and short yardage runner as well. So um, I think that the touchdown regression is something I half expect in terms of Aaron Jones, but I think he still has enough value to, um, to justify definitely the top of the second round, but even still at the, at the late one, I believe is, is fine value for Aaron Jones. All right, second round. And this, this round in particular, I think, is a little bit suspect because some of the players with second round ADPs, in my opinion, are very sketch, right? So you've got Antonio Gibson at the top of the second round, which I'm all in on. I think that there's absolutely nothing not to like about Antonio Gibson. I think that he's clearly the RB1 in that offense, right? JD McKissick, you know, we get it. He's going to be active. He's going to catch some footballs and all that stuff. That's fine. 
and he's even if he plays 35 to 45 percent of the snaps in, ter- in terms of McKissick, I'm still all in on Antonio Gibson. Again, most running backs don't play 70 percent of the snaps. That's just the reality of it. Right. So but I do believe Antonio Gibson has that kind of chance because, look, you want to talk about a guy with no mileage on him. Antonio Gibson is that from the running back position. He basically played slot receiver at Memphis. And then last year he missed some games, which is understandable because it was his first real NFL season. And it was his first season playing feature back in an offense. But what we did see from Gibson last year was a guy that got really good as a running back down the stretch. And I think that he's answered any and all questions in terms of like whether he can or can't play running back at a high level at the NFL level. I mean, he's looking like a potential, one of the biggest steals of that draft class last year for Washington. So I loved him coming out of the draft and this has done nothing for me to not love him. I loved him, you know, this time last year for fantasy purposes, but now um, even with him going up to the second round, I still think it's a pretty solid value, even at the early to mid second round. Austin Eckler is another one early mid second round that I'm totally fine with. Um, obviously, you're going to hope that it's a you know you're getting points per reception. I, I I filtered this to be half PPR just so you guys know, just to kind of stay right in the middle of things there. But yeah, Austin Eckler's a guy that's just he's not going to play 75% of the snaps, and that's okay. What he is going to do, however, is he's going to catch footballs. He's going to um, you know, he's going to score points. Like he's going to score fantasy points, plain and simple. And I think that early second round, I'm not necessarily all in on him, although it makes sense. Right. Um, But I'm more, I'm probably more inclined to want to grab Austin Eckler in the mid to late second round this year, simply because he did miss some time with injury last year. And I just, you're in a new scheme. So you want to see how he's used with new coaching staff and all that. So, you know, Eckler, I like. I just don't absolutely love in that at that particular spot early second round. Um, Cam Akers, someone that I absolutely love in the mid second round. Number one, McVeigh last year spent his very first pick in the draft on on Cam Akers, right? So that tells you, look, they cut Todd Gurley, and his very first instinct was let's hope that Cam Akers, because I love this running back, let's hope that he falls you know, to us in the second round and we'll, and we'll draft them. And that's what happened. And Cam Akers, especially towards the end of last season, really showed that he is the guy and a perfect fit in that offense. And I think that, you know, again, over the last month and a half or so last season, he was the best player on their offense, in my opinion. So Cam Akers in the mid second round is absolutely stealing. If you want to take him, if you end up picking in the early for uh, early second round, I have no problem at all with you drafting him there. I think he's going to return serious value. It would not shock me at all if he's a top five to seven running back in this year's uh, draft fantasy when it's all said and done. So, yes, Cam Akers, great value. Here's where it gets a little sketchy. James Robinson in the late two, right? So there are a handful of guys going after this, right, and considerably after, like in rounds after, that I would much prefer to have on my roster than James Robinson. Now, does that mean I don't like James? No, I love James Robinson, actually, from a skill set standpoint. But you can't deny that the intent of the new coaching staff is to is to they drafted Travis Etienne. And I know all the nonsense about him being the receiver and all that stuff. He's not a receiver. He's a running back. He's going to catch some footballs, no doubt. But he's a running back, right? So James Robinson going in the late second round, in my opinion, is just too risky because the floor for him – is the is the number two back in in his own offense right the floor and so that might mean 35 percent of the workload that might mean 45 percent. who knows but in you know in terms of just a guy in the second round i can't justify that so i'm going to be staying away 
from James Robinson in round two. Doesn't mean I'm staying away from him in general. And in round three, I might consider him. But in round two, at least, I'm going to stay away. DeAndre Swift is another one that I'm a little bit suspect about, right? DeAndre Swift is a guy that, remember, he's not a big dude, okay? They also drafted another running back behind him, and they also signed Jamal Williams, right? So when you look at that, and Jamal Williams is a big dude, Jamal Williams is going to have trust from the coaching staff and pass protection in in, uh, situations where he has to catch the football as well. So DeAndre Swift, to me, as talented as he is, um, I'm not quite sure he's going to return – well – He'll probably return value on a late second round pick, which is where he's going. But I just, I'm not super excited about that. I might look at receiver at that spot in the second round, depending on which receivers are on the board. I have no idea at this point because I haven't gone over receiver yet. But DeAndre Swift, to me, I would feel like I'm getting a great value in the middle of the third round. In the late second, I'm like, yeah, I guess if you, let's say if you went receiver in the first round and there's no running backs left in the second round and you want to, you want to get one. I, I could understand you going swift there, and he has upside. But to me, I think that Jamal Williams is going to be on the field 50-plus percent of the snaps in, in Detroit, in my opinion. So uh, you'll see what I feel about Jamal Williams later. All right, third – I'm sorry, no, last second-round pick, and this is another one that is a little sketchy to me, is, believe it or not, Josh Jacobs, somebody that I absolutely loved this time last year. So Josh Jacobs, to me, guys, the reason I'm a little suspect on him is because the, the Raiders went out and spent – pretty decent money on Kenyon Drake. Now that doesn't scare me because my whole my whole thing about like don't worry there's plenty of meat on the bone for for offenses with two running backs because NFL offenses now today have two running backs that still applies here. But the only difference in this situation is Josh Jacobs hasn't been all that effective lately, right? He's been, you know, a sub 4 yards a carry guy and that was behind a pretty good Raiders offensive line last year. So that concerns me a little bit. <clears throat> the fact that he hasn't been quite as good in the in the um, receiving game that we thought he might be is a little concerning. The second round, I'm I'm not saying that I wouldn't take him there, but I am saying that uh, you know I'm I might be inclined to go in a different direction. Now, I will say Josh Jacobs has the upside to finish top five to seven, no doubt about it. So it's not like it's some awful play. I just feel it's a little bit risky at this particular time to take him in the second round. It's my my take on Josh Jacobs. And then someone that <clears throat> the ADP of the website that I looked at is this guy's not here. But I think this is right around where he's going to end up going. So I went ahead and projected him here myself. And that's Najee Harris. I think late second to early third round is probably where Najee Harris will go. Number one, Pittsburgh had his. Other than Najee Harris, they have some guys they spent fourth and fifth round picks on basically at the running back position. Okay, so they don't have a ton invested into the position ahead of him. So um, they just spent, and this is again to go along with that word intent, a first round pick on Najee Harris, right? That tells me that they think he can be a difference maker even with a not so great offensive line, right? Because that was the thing last year. They didn't trust the offensive line, we thought, but the reality is. I think they just didn't trust their running backs, right? Because despite the media's perception on running backs and how they don't matter, NFL front offices understand and realize that if you have a legitimate running back, oftentimes they can create their own yards. Najee Harris is the kind of guy that can create his own yards. So I also think Najee's going to catch a lot of footballs. So I absolutely love Najee Harris at this point in the draft. Look, if it's late second round, and again, if you went – 
you know, receiver in round one, I'm I'm fine taking Najee as early as late second round. I wouldn't do it necessarily in the mid-second round. I think that's a little bit of a stretch simply because, again, he is a rookie, right? It's not like you're, you're not getting a veteran guy here. But Najee Harris, to me, I would prefer him in the top of the third round. But if I – but it – if in the right circumstance, right, I would take him in the late second round as well. So I like that value there. And third round, guys, Joe Mixon is a guy that in the third round, just so you guys know how I feel about the third round altogether, I call the, the second round slightly suspect, right? Third round to me has some value in it, all right? Guy like Joe Mixon at the top of the third round. I know some of you are like, dude, leave it alone with Joe Mixon, but I'm not going to allow certain things that have happened in years past dictate how I feel about a new year. The reason I'm not going to do that is because I'm not going to allow myself to make emotional mistakes of that nature, right? If you don't feel comfortable with Joe Mixon, that's okay. Don't take him at all, right? But for me, if we're talking third round now, I'm I'm much more comfortable with the idea of Joe Mixon in the third round than really, you know, I mean, to me, he has a chance, and I know I'm going to say this about several guys, but they—it's the truth. There are about ten guys that have the that have the upside to finish top five. Joe Mixon's one of them. You know, he really is, in my opinion. And when you look at it, the offensive line got a little bit better with the addition of Riley Reef, the uh, and and Jackson Carmen. The skill players with the addition of Jamar Chase have gotten better. So when you look at that stuff, and you look at Burrow, who's now going to have to be a little bit more respected from a pure you know, what he can do in terms of like how defenses have to defend you from a passing the ball standpoint. I think that, and I also think it's likely that Cincinnati runs the ball a little bit more than they did last year. All those things point to if Joe Mixon's on the field, he is going to be much more dynamic than what he was. Uh, I'm sorry, much more. He's going to be really good point blank period, you know? So yeah, Joe Mixon in the third round, I'm totally fine with it. I'd prefer him in the middle of the third, but I'd take him early third as well, depending on how it goes. Miles Sanders, another early to mid third guy. So in my opinion, Miles Sanders is, look guys, according to these ADPs, Miles Sanders right here is being drafted as the RB 17. There is no way, barring injury, right? And that's something that you can say about anybody. There is no chance Miles Sanders finishes as the RB17 or later. Absolutely zero. I think that he's a locked finish top 12, and I really th- see him finishing more like top seven. So, yeah, Miles Sanders in the early to mid third round where he's going here, I absolutely love the value. J.K. Dobbins is, is right now being drafted as the RB18. Is the RB18 in the mid third round. This dude, if you asked me to make up, make up ADPs, I would swap – Dobbins out with Ezekiel Elliott in the late first round. That's how confident I am and how high I am on J.K. Dobbins. So yes, as the mid third round in, in the mid third round, I'm jumping up for joy if I'm on the clock and J.K. Dobbins is still available. I'm absolutely ecstatic. Um, being drafted as the RB19 is David Montgomery in the late third round. I'm totally cool with that. I'm I'm very happy to get that. I know a lot of people think that his stats last year towards the end of the year were inflated by the absence of Tariq Cohen. I'm not one of those people. I think that David Montgomery is the true lead dog there in Chicago. And I think the presence of a better quarterback, in my opinion, Justin Fields, is only going to help Chicago in that regard. Chris Carson, late third round. I'm not totally thrilled with the prospect of drafting him this early. I think that, you know, he's just a guy that has a lot of wear and tear on him, you know, and I understand they just paid him so you can make the argument for it. The intent is there and all that stuff. But 
I just don't love it. You know, I mean, he's going to be a pretty high floor guy if he's on the field. But other than that, you know, I'm, I'm not crazy about spending a third round pick on Chris Carson. Fourth or fifth round, I'm all in, by the way. All right. Now, probably my favorite pick of the third round is a dude named Clyde edwards Elaire. This dude, guys, is being drafted this year as the RB21. This is a this is a flaw in the system, the public system of fantasy football. This guy was being drafted as a top three to top five running back last year. He was literally people were doing that, right? People were making the claim that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the RB1. They go back and look at it. It was happening. And I was just like dumbfounded by that last year. This year. Clyde's being drafted in the third round. This is where a shark like myself in fantasy football will take full advantage of that. I am taking him at the, I'm taking him late too. Just personally, I'm not going to, because in a more competitive league, he's, there's no chance he lasts this long, right? Because it just defies all logic. He's the clear RB1. Game flow is going to work in his advantage. What I mean is clear RB1 in, on his team. Game flow is going to be to his advantage. He is, going to catch a lot of footballs and it's a great offense, you know? So like, no matter how you slice it to me, Clyde Edwards-Elair is a top 10 back at worst. I think he's going to finish top five. Okay. Um, Fourth round. And this is where I think that just side note, the running back position as a whole starts to get a little bit suspect. So you're going to want to get right. You're going to want to fill up your, your, I think you're going to want to grab three running backs or I mean, at least two running backs in the first three rounds. I really believe that that's the route to go because let me just tell you what's available in the fourth round. Kareem Hunt, fourth rounder. To me, he this guy got this guy was averaging like six or seven carries a game over the last month of the season and the playoffs. That's just not enough for for my money to draft him in the fourth round. And, I, and I, it'll probably be more than that. But I think that Nick Chubb has kind of established himself as the guy, once again, in that Browns backfield. Now, Kareem Hunt will catch more passes by, you know, an average of about one and a half per game or whatever, more than Chubb. But for my money in the fourth round, I'm going a different direction. Miles Gaskin's going to the late four. Miles Gaskin, guys. I'm not touching Miles Gaskin. I Look, he was a seventh-round pick, if I remember correctly. He's a good player and all that stuff. I, I'm fine with that. But if you think this guy's a workhorse back or, or a guy that you should spend a fourth-round pick on, I just can't get behind that with you. So I'm, I'm staying away from Miles Gaskin at this price. Now, if it's sixth round and Miles Gaskin's there, I'm, I'm taking him for sure. Raheem Mostert in the late fourth round. I think that this one, you know, to me, again, I feel like I like Raheem Mostert a lot, but I think his time has sort of passed in, in terms of drafting him this high. I, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction. So in the fourth round, at least where it goes in terms of ADP, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm, most likely going wide receiver at that point in time. All right, fifth rounders. And again, similar to what I said about Najee Harris at the late second, early third round, I've I've plugged in a couple of guys here in the fifth round that currently don't have exactly that ADP, and that's Travis Etienne and Javante Williams, those two rookies. I just think there's no chance these guys are going later than the fifth round, at least not in a very competitive league situation. So um, those two guys in the mid to late fifth round, in my opinion, are, are fine values, and I, I have no problem taking them there. I'd like to get Javante Williams maybe in the sixth, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't have a problem taking them. And honestly, I think I like them more than the veteran fifth round ADP guys in Melvin Gordon and Ronald Jones. I think that those two guys, and you look at the case of Ronald Jones, right, he's got – 
uh, Giovanni Bernard there now to catch some passes. Leonard Fournette's a better receiving back than him too. So you're looking at mainly just running the football, and there are going to be games, in my opinion, where Ronald Jones has 15 to 20 carries, and there's going to be games also where he's got four to eight carries. You know, So I think that the variance, weekly variance to me for Ronald Jones is a little bit too low for me to justify taking him in the fifth round. Again, when there's guys like Travis Etienne and Javante Williams available. There's also Javante Williams' teammate, Melvin Gordon, who will undoubtedly start the season as the starting running back for the Denver Broncos. But to me, you know, and I don't have an issue taking Melvin Gordon this high, but I just think that you have to be prepared to have the second best running back on his team in the fifth round. And to me, that's a little bit too early. You know, it's one thing to worry about workload, right? And like percentage of workload, like, oh, that guy's going to vulture some touches. No, I think there's a legitimate chance that at some point, and as a matter of fact, I'd be shocked if it wasn't at some point in this season, Javante Williams will be the number one back in Denver. And I can't draft a guy that I think is going to be the number two back on his own team in the fifth round. Can't do it. All right, sixth round. Here we go. Chase Edmonds is available in the sixth round in terms of ADP. David Johnson, oh, my God, in the late sixth, no thank you. And then Damian Harris. Those are your guys uh, currently going in round six. Yeah, so as far as Chase Edmonds goes, I actually really like him. I think that, you know, a lot of people are going to be scared away by the presence of um, – James Conner, and I and I get that, you know, because we've seen James Conner have the, you know, full workhorse role and all that stuff. But again, guys, I'm going back to the word intent. The Cardinals didn't, it's not like they went out and, and paid James Conner a bunch of money. You know, they, they signed him very late in the process and they gave him, I believe it was a $1.5 million contract. So there's a chance that he is a guy that that touches the ball four to six times a game. Like that, that's a realistic outcome for James Conner, in my opinion. And, and for Chase Edmonds, what I think is his ceiling, most likely, is 14 to 18 touches a game. You know, I really believe that that's a possibility for Chase Edmonds. Not that I think it's going to happen, but I do think that that's possible. What I think that is the most likely thing is for kind of a 60 40 Edmonds to Conner. Uh, workload discrepancy. I think Connor will be a guy, though, that in goal line situations and short yard situations, he's going to be in there and he's going to get those carries, in my opinion. So it could, you know, knock away Chase Edmonds' touchdowns and all that, you know, from that standpoint. But all in all, I think Chase Edmonds is a better um, a better fantasy option than James Connor this year. James Connor, by the way, is a seventh round ADP, so we'll talk about him in a second. But yeah, I like Chase Edmonds in the sixth round. I think that's a fine like. If he, at this point in the draft, is, let's say, your fourth running back, I'd feel really good about acquiring him at this in the sixth round because then, you know, you're going to have two stud receivers, hopefully, and then you're going to have also three other stud running backs. So now, to get him to where, and the reason I say your fourth running back and not your third, which third, I guess, is fine, too, but I would much rather him be my fourth simply because I don't want to rely, I don't want to bank on Chase Edmonds. I want to have Chase Edmonds as more of a luxury, like, oh, wow, that's great. That panned out much better than I, you know, that hit the ceiling. And whereas I would have been, you know, okay with just his floor, right? Which is like, I think, eight to 13 touches a game, somewhere in that range, which, you know, again, in, in what should be a pretty good offense and what we know Chase Edmonds will have a pretty good role, I like him. David Johnson, I'm staying far, far away. Look, man, this guy. You know, I don't know why his ADP is so high, especially with the addition of Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram in that offense in Houston. That offense might be might be one of the worst offenses in football if Deshaun Watson isn't playing. So that's another thing to consider. And yeah, 
and I'm, I'm still not love, you know, in love with the offensive line. So I don't, I'm not, I'm definitely not taking David Johnson. And I, and I don't think in competitive leagues, he's going to be going in the sixth round, to be honest with you. Damian Harris though, is a, is a different story. I, I like Damian Harris. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Patriots drafted a, another running back in the draft. I don't, I think it was late, late third round with the comp pick. His name was Ramondre Stevenson. <clears throat> I love Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. I think that he's going to be a really good player in the NFL, a better pro than he was a college player. But I also think there's enough meat on the bone for him and Damian Harris to both eat. And I think they will both eat. I think the Patriots are going to run the ball. I think they'll be a top five in terms of rush attempts per game um, in the NFL this year. Undoubtedly, they're going to run a lot of two tight end stuff. They're going to run teams over when they try to get in a sub package against that two tight end set. They, they just are. So whether it be with, Damian Harris, Cam Newton, or uh, Ramondre Stevenson. But, but I like I like Harris in the sixth round. I'm totally fine with that. I think he's a lock for 12 to 15 touches a game, an absolute lock for that. And, and behind that offensive line, that's going to equate to pretty good production and, and good sixth-round value. All right, round seven, we've got Leonard Fournette in the early seventh round, which you know I'm fine with. I don't necessarily love it, but I am fine with it. We see the intent now of the Buccaneers when it, as it pertains to Leonard Fournette. They were fine to let him walk, but they were also happy to get him back, and they were also happy to sign Giovanni Bernard to be the true, you know, third down back. So Leonard Fournette, to me, is going to be in a sort of a, you know, let's go with the hot hand approach when it comes to getting the carries, you know, and he's going to be in that kind of a pro, uh, that kind of competition with Ronald Jones. So Leonard Fournette um, in the seventh round, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm it doesn't get me super super excited because I don't see and I don't see a ceiling in which I'm super excited about Leonard Fournette this year. Um, Jeff Wilson in the seventh round is somebody that's, believe it or not, going in round seven. Now, do I think that that's a potential value? Yes, I, I think that it could definitely be a value. Am I am I stoked to spend a seventh round to pick on him? Not necessarily, right? Because there's guys like Kenyon Drake there that that you know I think are relatively close to the same in terms of value because I think Kenyon Drake – could be in a situation, it wouldn't surprise me, um, if him and Josh Jacobs are a 50-50 you know, workload kind of thing, or maybe 55% Jacobs, 45% Drake. I think this has an opportunity to play out similarly to how I felt about Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last year in, with the Raiders, right? So um, I like Kenyon Drake from that standpoint, and um, I, I'm still not in love with the value of Drake or Wilson in the seventh. But if, if you do that, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. Mike Davis in round seven is a value that I do like. I think that Mike Davis is going to be a dude that um, he's going to touch the ball quite often in that, in that offense, in my opinion, he's going to be their, you know, quote unquote starter, at least for the first eight weeks. You know, we'll see how he plays after that to see if he remains a starter. But I think that Mike Davis has an opportunity to really, um, you know, and good for him to be a guy that that touches the ball 200 times this year or more. So I like Mike Davis from that standpoint. In the seventh round, I'm totally fine with that because even if you told me he's only going to start for the first eight games, I'm getting a, a true bell cow back for those first eight games or so. And um, a seventh round pick on that to me is fine. A.J. Dillon, next guy in, in round seven on the ADP. And look, man, I like A.J. Dillon a lot. I think that we're going to – what we're seeing with A.J. Dillon, we're going to see a similar role to what we saw with Jamal Williams, right? And, and nobody was super excited about what Jamal Williams brought to the Packers from a fantasy standpoint perspective, right? Like we weren't like, oh, well, let's you know draft Jamal Williams in the seventh round. But here's the difference. 
AJ Dillon is a freak of nature. Jamal Williams was just um, a good player, a good all-around player that can do a lot of things, had a lot of trust by the coaching staff. AJ Dillon is a guy that could be one of the best running backs in football. And two in two, three years from now, we might be looking at AJ Dillon as like, whoa, this is like literally a top 10 or even better running back in football. You know, that's how highly I think of him. So I mentioned earlier in regards to Aaron Jones and his ADP, how I felt about Dylan and why he could be stealing some of those touchdowns. I do believe that that's possible and even likely. I also think that he will have a little bit larger role than Jamal Williams because the intent of the team is to use him, right? They know that, look, they spent a second round pick on him last year in the draft. They did so because they intend on using him. Right. So that word intent, as far as uh, AJ Dillon goes, it aligns. And then again, in the seventh round, that's to me a good value because especially, and this may be the one thing that I need to touch on the most. If anything, if Aaron Jones misses any games, this guy's touching the ball 20 to 30 times a game. You heard me 20 to 30 times a game because he's huge. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's fast. He's agile. He's powerful. He is a dude that you know, they will not hesitate to feed him like crazy if Aaron Jones misses any time. James Conner in the round seven, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I guess it's fine if you want to, but again, the intent of the team doesn't get me super excited in terms of James Conner. They signed him, gave him a million bucks late in the process of free agency, but, um, you know, I could see, I could see how you'd be a little bit excited about James Conner in round seven. So I'm not mad at it. Eighth round, Devin Singletary being a guy going in the early eighth round. And in the eighth round, I got to admit, is a little bit bare, right? There's only three running backs currently being drafted in the eighth round. That's Devin Singletary, J.D. McKissick, and Philip Lindsay. Um, I'm definitely interested in McKissick, uh, especially if it's points per catch league. I think McKissick is going to have a drop off from what he was last year. Where he was just Alex Smith's dump off target by default in an offense that didn't have many other weapons. This year, they do have other weapons. So um, I'm definitely... You know, uh, McKissick to me is a weekly matchup-based flex option. You know, that's kind of where I think he'll be. So the, the value is appropriate. I don't think it's phenomenal. I think it's it's there, and um, I'm not mad at it. Devin Singletary, I think, could easily have a much better season than he had last year. I, I know I was high on Singletary at his ADP last year. I think that this Bills offense is going to want to run the football a little bit more than they did last year. And I think Singletary's right now their starter. So we'll see. I'm not mad at that value. And then Philip Lindsay in round eight is someone that could return, definitely return value. But he could also, you know, the floor is sort of low. I mean, they have Mark Ingram, David Johnson, and Philip Lindsay. They might even have another guy that I'm, I can't remember right now. But I'm not crazy about that again in an offense that's not very good. And Lindsay, even though he's a smaller guy, hasn't been a you know, phenomenal pass catching running back. So I'm not necessarily mad at that pick. I like it, but, uh, you know, in the eighth round, but I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. Okay. Ninth round, some guys that I really like, or at least one guy that I really like is uh, Tony Pollard. Look, he's going in the ninth round in the ninth round. If you draft Tony Pollard, there's a legitimate chance that you're going to get an RB one, right? So for that alone, you draft him. Now, I'm not wishing injury on Ezekiel Elliott. I'm just saying if if he misses any time, Tony Pollard is going to come in there and he's going to play so well, in my opinion, that Zeke, even if he comes back, is going to be in a full-on 50-50, you know, um, running back by committee type of role there. So 
that's how I feel about Tony Pollard. Now, I think this is Zeke's last year in Dallas. That's just my my in, my gut instincts tell me that. All right, Naeem Hines is also available, Zach Moss, and then Latavius Murray. Those guys, to me, are all pretty good values in round nine. I'm, I'm not mad at it. I think Latavius Murray could could have a much bigger role this year because with, with um, Drew Brees gone – and Jameis Winston likely to be the starter there. I could see them really trying to commit to supporting Jameis Winston with a run game. Therefore, I could see Latavius Murray being a guy that's, you know, 12 to 14 carries a game every game. And Latavius Murray is something that people don't, you know, associate him with. He can really catch the football too. So he provides, you know, some uh, versatility from that standpoint because your your gut instinct as a defense would be, okay, Alvin Kamara's out, Latavius Murray's in. You know, they're looking to run the ball. And then play action pass or a screen play or something like that. You get Latavius Murray involved as a receiver is something that Sean Payton's been able to do pretty well. And he's a good pass catching back, even though he's a big guy. So I like Latavius Murray there. And Zach Moss, to me, is a guy you definitely want to get on your roster at this point in the draft simply because there's a chance that he's a legitimate RB2, in my opinion. You know, I'm not going to say top five, don't worry. But there's a, there's a chance that he's a legit RB2, you know, a guy that's a top 22 or so top 24 running back. And uh, because it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to supplant Devin Singletary as the guy in that offense. So um, yeah, round 10. Now my absolute, one of my favorite values of this entire fantasy season is Gus Edwards in the 10th round. You're going to have to get him early. I might go ahead and just take him in the ninth because he's going to return extreme value, even on the ninth round pick. And look, man, Gus Edwards, was just assigned a second-round tender by the Ravens. That means they're not willing to lose him, right? They want him on their team. Um, the only way you can take him away is if you give the Ravens a second-round pick, which nobody was willing to do, thank God, for Baltimore, because I think it would be a big loss if they lost him because they also lost Mark Ingram. I think that Gus Edwards is a guy that is just so effective in this scheme, right? And this this offensive line got better from the interior, and maybe they didn't get that much worse from what they were last year considering Ronnie Staley didn't didn't play last year. Right. So when you think of it like that, Gus Edwards is bumped up a little bit on the depth chart. He's a, he's the clear number two. Right. Which which I guess he was last year as well. But I think the Ravens have an improved receiving core, which means you're going to have to account for that a little bit more, which means less players in the box potentially to defend against. The Ravens are going to run top three times per game in the NFL. Like they're going to be a in my opinion, a team that runs it. I mean, I don't even think that's my opinion at this point. That's basically a fact. They're going to run the hell out of the football. So Gus Edwards, in my opinion, is is an absolute steal. And don't even take the chance of him lasting to round 10. Just get him on your roster in round eight. I'd rather have him over Philip Lindsay, J.D. McKissick, and maybe even Devin Singletary. I'm not sure. I, I like Singletary, but, you know, my point is I really like Gus Edwards. I also really like Jamal Williams, who's available in the 10th. I think that he's a guy that it wouldn't shock me if the coaching staff favors him over DeAndre Swift. It would not surprise me, right? I think that what he is is a professional. He's a real professional. He's a big, strong, powerful kid. He is still young. He doesn't, you know, again, he's been splitting carries with Aaron Jones, so it's not like he's been running to the ground in Green Bay. And I think that he just goes along really nicely in terms of what this coaching staff is all about, toughness and, and physicality and things like that. Jamal Williams is a guy that I think, you know, and I wouldn't take him earlier than round 10 because his floor is unstartable. 
Um, but I do believe that his ceiling is high end flex play on a weekly basis. So yeah, I like Jamal Williams there. And I also like Alexander Madison who's available in the 10th round as well. Um, I think that again, with Madison, just like you'd say every year, if, if anything does happen to Dalvin Cook and for people that draft Dalvin Cook in the first round, go ahead and spend a ninth round pick on Alexander Madison. Just get him on your team. That way, you know, you're kind of protected if you're feeling a little weird about Dalvin Cook, which in any case, if you have a high end talent in terms of whoever the handcuff is in that particular offense get that guy on your roster right protect your investment if you spent a first round pick on Dalvin Cook which if you have Dalvin Cook you would have you will have spent a first round pick get Madison on your team that way you don't have to worry about anything because anything happens to Dalvin Alexander Madison comes in he's the true bell cow back in Minnesota and he's a perfect fit in that offense and I love them from a talent standpoint all right 11th round and beyond, guys, that I that I want on my team. I'm not going to go break down every single round, but I will tell you that there are about 10 or 12 guys that I that I want on my roster late. Number one, and, and really my top priority at in the double-digit rounds is to get Trey Sermon on my roster. Now, I've already mentioned two San Francisco running backs that will be drafted in fantasy ahead of Trey Sermon. I value Trey Sermon more than both of those guys, being Jeff Wilson and, and Raheem Mostert. Mostert's going in the fourth round, which I think is bonkers. To me, I think that the 49ers are slowly, but not too slowly, transforming their entire running back group, right? Like Shanahan likes to have that group there. He traded up in, what was it, third round for Trey Sermon. To me, that tells me that the intent of the team is to use the hell out of Trey Sermon, right? I think that that will happen sooner than later because Trey Sermon's not coming out of college as a raw player, right? If he's, he's coming out as a guy that's played multiple systems in college, played for Oklahoma and Ohio State, he, he was a senior bowl kid, you know, and he can catch the football as well as run it between the tackles and outside. He's just a perfect fit in San Francisco. I think Trey Sermon is someone you absolutely have to target and prioritize to get on your roster in the double-digit rounds. So, yeah, get Trey Sermon. It's, you know, whenever you feel like you, you need to, but just get him on your roster because there's a chance that he's a really electric player right away. All right, Daryl Henderson is somebody I think you also need to get on your roster because Daryl is a guy that's very, very talented, okay? And I know Cam Akers is clearly ahead of him, but I think Daryl will – he might even have some standalone value. Um, Daryl Henderson I'm talking about. Daryl Henderson for the Rams. Uh, he might even have some standalone value, but if anything happens to Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson comes in and he's a, he's a legit solid RB2 in my opinion. Benny Snell, somebody that I'm, I'm targeting as well simply because, look – if nothing else, I think he's a pretty good handcuff. Okay. I don't think he's in, you know, a lock for RB1 or whatever, if anything happens to Najee Harris. But I think that Benny Snell is going to be a guy that when the winter time comes, if Najee Harris misses two games and one of them's a fantasy playoff game, Benny Snell is a guy you can plug in there and he'll just hopefully bludgeon that opposing team to death, right? A few times a game. And he's just a good, he's a solid running back. He's a solid NFL running back. So yeah. Benny Snell, in my opinion, is a guy that you're going to want to get on your team late. Tariq Cohen, you know, talk about, especially if you're getting points per reception. Tariq Cohen is, is someone that you definitely want to target. Um, and then, oh, before I forget, probably my, actually, maybe even ahead of Trey Sermon is my true favorite, Michael Carter. Okay, Michael Carter Jr. for the, for the New York Jets. I think that he's the best running back on their roster. And they have Tevin Coleman, my guy, and Michael P. Ryan, who's a good player as well. But to me, Michael Carter is going to come in. Like, I, I tweeted this out the other day and posted it on Instagram as well. Clyde Ebersley-Lair was the 2020 first-round pick. 
Michael Carter was a 2021 fourth round pick. To me, that makes no sense because I could argue, and some some responded to that, telling me that Michael Carter is a better prospect was a better prospect than Clyde. I'm not going to go that far, but I'm not. I don't think that argument is completely bonkers either. I think Michael Carter is that good of a prospect and is that good of a player right now uh, to where I think that, again, just like I said with J.K. Dobbins and all these rookies last year, it might take him six to seven weeks or whatever to really supplant, you know, and whoever at the top of that running back depth chart there. But I do think it'll happen. And when it does happen, Whoever has him in your fantasy league is going to be in for a huge boost in the mid to late uh, in the mid to late season aspect of fantasy football. And that, as we know, guys, that's a huge part of winning in fantasy football. If you get that late boost because you you were you know you had the wherewithal to pick up Michael Carter or to keep him on your roster or whatever, you know that to me is is going to be very valuable. So yeah, Michael Carter is someone I definitely, definitely, definitely want on my roster, and I'm drafting him as early as round nine or ten. Salvin Ahmed is a guy that I'm I'm interested in because we saw what he can do, you know, last year with with Miami. And I think that Miami Dolphins passing offense will be better. So I'm interested in him. Now, Miles Gaskin, who I told you guys earlier, I wouldn't touch in the fourth round. I believe it was the fourth round, right? Yeah. I'm not touching Miles Gaskin in the fourth round. If Gaskin's available in the sixth round, now we're talking. Now I feel like I'm getting the value there. And to me, ultimately, that's what fantasy football is all about in terms of at least from a redraft standpoint. It's about value. It's not about like Oh yeah, I'm gonna draft this guy because he'll he fills a need on my roster, right? And and it's the fourth round. What you know, I need my second running back. No, I'm about how can I get the most of a steal in every single round, right? Like I'm not trying to just get good value. I'm trying to get a steal. And Miles Gaskin in the fourth round to me doesn't seem like a steal. In the sixth round, he does. And Salvin Ahmed in double-digit rounds to me, that seems like a steal. That seems like something I could I could do. And a few months later, I'm thinking, man, thank God I spent that 11th round pick on Salvin Ahmed or whatever. So, yeah, Salvin Ahmed to me is a good player. Sonny Michel is one that I'm still sort of like not opposed to get on my – if he's my last pick, right, like let's just see what happens. You know, maybe, maybe he comes out there. Maybe – they basically redshirt Ramondre Stevenson and Sonny Michelle's the RB2 in that Patriots offense. I mean, they did spend a first-round pick on him a couple years ago, so I'm not totally against that. And also, just to you know, bombard you with Patriot running backs here, James White. I think James White is, you know, he's not going to get a ton of carries, three or four carries a game. But I still think he'll catch a, a good amount of passes. Why? Because he's a really good pass-catching running back. And Cam Newton, especially from his last few years in Carolina, throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey, he likes that. He wants to throw the ball to James White. And they're going to design some plays for James White to be able to – look, in situations where James White is a matchup problem for defenses, they're going to put him in there and let him be a matchup problem for defenses. And Cam's going to get him the ball. So I like James White. If you can get him really, really late, 11, 12, 13 round, uh, do that, in my opinion. Um, and then let's see, Boston Scott is another one I'm, I'm interested in because I think he's going to be a good, if nothing else, a very good handcuff for Miles Sanders. And um, I also like Rashad Penny. Like, you know, get him on your team. I mean, really late. Let's just see what happens. I mean, Chris Carson, would you be shocked if he missed time with injury? You know, so I, I wouldn't. And because of that, Rashad Penny is a guy that was at one point was a first-round draft pick in the NFL. So I'm not opposed to getting him on my roster and just kind of seeing what happens over the first four years. Remember, he was injured all of last season. So, um, like, get him on my roster, see how it plays out for the first four to six games, see if there's any trends where he's starting to touch the ball more or he's just starting to play more snaps or whatever. And then if 
you know, if he's not playing, well, obviously just cut him. It's no big deal. You got him in the 13th round. But anyways, that's going to do it for this podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be also dropping one of these um, for the wide receiver position probably tomorrow. So I'll check you guys later. Take it easy.